statistics show that more than 65% of men in the Christian faith are still watching pornography. And maybe you've tried everything to not be part of that statistic. And still, no matter what you've done, you just can't break free from it. Me and my guest want to talk to you about that right now. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast. This episode is brought to you by thebecomingmen.com. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for men on their masculine journey. Today, I'm going to be talking to Sathya Sam, who's the creator of Deep Clean. It's a systematic process for overcoming pornography. It took Sathya more than 15 years to fully recover from porn addiction. And now he shares his methods with men around the world. And he was so gracious to come on the podcast and share that here with you guys, really, so that you can get well, so that you can get whole, so that you can walk in a different way, that in a way that you never thought you would walk before, because it is possible. I just want to tell you right now, let's start off with that. First of all, what Jesus did on the cross was enough. A feeble prayer from you right now is enough to be able to move God into action. And in fact, God has already moved in your life and he's waiting on you to receive that healing, to receive that overwhelming sense of security that he's got you, that he's got a plan for your life and that this thing will buff. All right, guys, without further ado, Sathya Sam. Thanks for having me, Ray. I'm excited to be here. Brother, you gotta you gotta get put in the hot seat right away. 60 seconds, you get to talk to your 20-something-year-old self, and then you disappear. So I'm looking at the clock right now. What would you say to that guy? Relax a little bit. You don't have to have it all figured out. I think that'd be the biggest thing. Uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself in my 20s to have it all. Uh, I think social media and some of that conditions you a little bit. You see other people, and it always seems like there's people ahead of you. And mm-hmm. I definitely grew up in that environment a little bit and uh, put a lot of pressure on myself to just understand it all, to go into marriage as a pro, to go into career, having it all figured out from the get-go. And I think it robbed me of some, some of my early growth, you know, just a little bit too much pride. So that'd be, that'd be the biggest thing is just, you don't have to have it all figured out, stay humble, stay low and it'll all work out. Yeah. Well, let me tell you this, man, from a military standpoint, one of the things that we run into, uh, as an issue, as we're trying to groom the next, uh, maybe generation of war fighters, right? These guys who are going to take it to the enemy is that everybody wants a 100% plan right away. And you have a lot of high performers, alpha males in the military. And so they want to have it all figured out before they get into contact. Problem is no plan survives first contact, right? So dude, I mean, it's so funny because you're literally right down, um, exactly where a lot of guys are, you know, you want to figure out, you want to do your best, right? You don't just want to show up and get like a 70 in marriage. You want to get that 105, right? Um, but that's just, it just doesn't turn out to be the case all the time. So what, what did you feel like that did for you um, in the first few months of, of marriage, man? I think, I think I just went in thinking like, I, I had done enough personal development. I wasn't like going in naive being like marriage is going to be a breeze. I knew better than that at that point. But I think I had just thought that I could rest on the laurels of the earlier seasons of personal development and everything else. Yeah. Just not taking into consideration that like I've never been married before. So why yeah. would I be good at it? Like the first, I don't know, like the first couple of months, let alone the first couple of decades, like this stuff <laughs> takes time to figure out, you know? So I just went super <laughs> green it. and probably a little bit too, my confidence was just a bit too high. Yeah. Resting on the laurels of your previous victories. I love that. And you know what? I've That's never it. thought about this, but I got married 
you know, just as I was finishing getting meritoriously promoted in the Marine Corps. So here you have this guy who's being affirmed all around at work, but then he goes home and like his, his home life is blowing up. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. man. How terrible, man. I never, I never put that together. You're helping me write my story here. That's good. That's good, man. But I want to hear your story and I'm sure my listeners are excited to hear um, just a little bit more about you, where you're from and why the heck you are talking about pornography addictions and walking out of them to a bunch of 20 something, 30 something year olds in 2021. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, this is the subject that everybody wants to hear about, but doesn't want to talk about. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a really tough one. Um, I didn't get into this kind of work because I wanted to when I was a kid. You know, this isn't the thing I dreamed about growing up. I had bigger ambitions like being a pizza delivery boy and uh, a police <laughs> officer and that kind of thing. But uh, but no, man, I had my own experience with with pornography. It was uh, it was actually yeah. really, really rough. Um, just to give a little bit of context, I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, my parents were both really kind hearted, sweet people. Uh, you hear some really scary stories about pastors' homes and what goes yeah. on behind the scenes. That wasn't the case for me. My parents were actually pretty legit uh, on and off the stage, the same people. So I was really fortunate. They also forked out the money for us to go to Christian school. So like we got a very good, like private, uh, slightly sheltered education, I would say. And like, I, I'm, I'm kind of giving that context because everything was set up for me to make good decisions in life and not fall into the grips of pornography. 100%. I got exposed to porn in the uh, computer lab of my Christian school when I was 11 years old and totally by innocence. Like my buddy told me to check out this website, very innocent sounding. And like, lo and behold, there it is. I was kind of like, um, I was definitely intrigued, but I was also a little bit confused. I had never seen anything like that before, but it just sort of planted seeds. So by the time I was in high school, I was watching, um, regularly, some sort of regularity. And then when I got into university, that's when it really became a problem. Um, my goal at the time was to become a psychiatrist. Um, so I was, I was working super hard, very academically driven, but volunteering, I got like tens of thousands of dollars in research grants. So I was working in labs. I had a part-time job. And porn for me was my reward uh, for my hard day of work. And it was kind of um, relief. It was medication to take the edge off from the stress of pursuing an education Mm -hmm. and trying to qualify for med school. So that was where uh, it really became an addiction. Like that's where the roots went pretty deep. And I always told myself like I could get free of this. No problem. Like someday I'll shake it when my life matters more or whatever, however you'd kind of justify it. But uh, when that time came, that's when I realized like I actually have no idea what I'm doing and everything I'm trying is not working. So that's, that's in a nutshell sort of how everything developed. I mean, that's a very typical thought process for any addict. I mean, I don't know one addict that I've met and I've met many, right? Including in my own family. I've never met somebody who says I have an extreme reliance and addiction to uh, drugs, to prescription medications, to alcohol, right? It's all that subtle belief in that you can stop whenever you want to. And so therefore it's not really an addiction. It's not controlling you. Like you could stop for a weekend if you wanted to, but you, but, you know, you just casually allow it in your life. And I think a lot of guys would actually relate to that. Nobody, I'm sorry, I'll say this. Very few people listening would actually say, I have a pornography problem today. I think most guys say I battle with pornography and it's just a, you know, it's not that I have to watch it, but I do watch it and I don't feel like I should. Um, do you run into that a lot? 
Yeah, tons, T- tons of, com- it, it's a mixture of complacency where like maybe people don't realize the extent of it um, mm-hmm. or they don't realize how much better their lives would be without it. Yeah. Um, and then there's an, another measure of, or another group of people rather who are just hopeless. You know, they've tried some sure. things and yeah. they didn't really get the results they wanted. So they're kind of convinced this is just their problem that they're going to have the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the times that I uh, was being talked through some of this imagery problem with pornography. Somebody had me do this and guys listening, you can try this exercise. Um, had me imagine myself eyes closed in a field. I'm hanging out in the middle of a field. You can look at the big blue sky and you just imagine what you're looking at and what you see all around you. Now here I appear at the other side of you, right? Like I'm, I'm about 15 feet away from you in the field. You see me good. I'm about to throw a lemon at you, right? So here goes lemons come in. Boom. You catch it. Now go ahead and take a bite of that lemon. A lot of guys will experience a physical manifestation of that visualization in their jawbone because you start salivating from the thought of biting a lemon. That is like a known psychological thing, right? And here we are thinking that watching pornography is doing nothing to our psyche, to our, you know, our minds, right? Our cognitive functions. Like, no, this is just something that I casually do whenever I'm bored. What do you think? Man. Yeah. You hit on something really important there. So, um, one of the things that I've been seeing lately in my research is that porn is, um, it's programming our minds and we don't even realize how destructive it is. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So, um, I just read a book recently called the penis book, uh, written written by Dr. Yeah. Great title. The the cover is just a big eggplant emoji (laughs) Uh, written by Dr. Aaron Spitz. It's hilarious, man, but a really good read if you're, you know, if you want to kind of understand male anatomy a bit better. So anyway, he talks about how in his book, uh, sorry, not in his book, in his practice, um, he has a major influx of people who want to get enhancement surgeries because they see what's going on in pornography. They don't think they can measure up. And so they feel like they need to enlarge their appendage so that they can perform adequately and meet a woman's expectations or whatever. And he said 80% of people decline the operation when they hear the stats on what the actual averages are for your typical male. Oh yeah. But it, it just goes to show you like we're getting so programmed by pornography now that guys are actually willing to sign up for operations to their own body just to kind of match an ideal that is completely unrealistic and completely fabricated. Um, um, another example, and this is, this will actually drive it home a lot more. Yeah. In 2001, the rate of erectile dysfunction for men under the age of 40 was 5%. So that, that checks out, right? Like that sounds about right. Sure. ED is an old man's issue. We've all seen the Viagra commercials. They're supposed to watch the movies. The two seats are empty. We all know what they were doing, that kind of thing. Um, today, the rates of erectile dysfunction in that same age group, men 40 and under is as high as 33%. Wow. That's so that's only in 20 years. And there, there was a, um, an uptick around 2001. That was when the internet started to kind of become normalized, but then it's in 2007 where we really see that number spike because yeah. of course in 2007 was the invention of the smart smartphone yep. and everybody getting that easy access to content. And so the fact that it's, um, it's affecting young men at, at that kind of degree, uh, that alone tells us that like what we're experiencing with pornography is yeah. not normal. And there's very little about it. That's actually good for us in the long run. Oof. Wow. That was introduced to pornography on a website that literally, and, and I'll keep, you know, all the details out of it, but it was focused on the size of, of the guy. Right. And so here I am from age 
I started at age 10 thinking that I'm always subpar, below average, not okay. Right. I, and man, I brought that to the marriage bed. And it's a thing that I still remember talking to my wife about two years into our marriage and like her, like having to reassure me, like, like, dude, you're okay. Like there's no issue there. And I'm like, I just, you know, I just internalized that, how to work through that. Um, but speaking of working through, man, and I want to kind of point back to something important that you said, I don't want to gloss over it. You used pornography um, or found yourself using pornography more to kind of give yourself a, uh, a reward for the victories from school. Um, so you knew that there was a trigger or you knew that there was a time where you were more prone to doing it. I kind of want you to dive into that a little bit more because a lot of guys think that they just like at random, Oh yeah, I'll just masturbate, whatever. I'll just pull out pornography. Cause I'm sitting on the toilet and I'm just bored. Like, no dude, you might've just not paid attention that you were just rejected at work. And so therefore you came home with a different psyche, a different attitude, which led you perfectly at like a sheep to the slaughter right into that porn site that you always return back to whenever you feel like you need to have some more validation and control in your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well said. Um, the way I see it is that porn is fast food intimacy. Fast food so intimacy. Explain that. It, it temporarily meets the need. It gives the illusion that you're, that you're meeting it, yeah. but it leaves you wanting more after. <laughs> so when you're hungry and you go eat McDonald's, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it fills you up for you know 20 minutes yeah. and then you're hungry again. Yeah. And um, porn is the same thing. And the problem is we all know that we can't eat McDonald's every day because we're going to be obese. Our arteries are going to clog up. Like it's, it's bad for us. Uh, it's bad for the physical body. And porn has the same effect on the human heart. And so it, your, your heart starts to deteriorate your capacity for intimacy, the way you view the other person, the relationship, the way you show up in your relationships. Uh, porn basically just gives you this really toxic programming on what to expect and how to go about life and certainly how to handle intimacy. Like we're talking about marriages here. Like if porn is in the marriage, um, it will be impossible for your marriage to actually reach its full potential because yeah. essentially you've introduced another partner um, and that partner is going to steal your capacity and your resources that were meant to be reserved for your wife and your wife alone or your husband, husband alone. So yeah. um, I think that that to me is the real crux of why why porn is actually so destructive and why there's always something underneath the surface going on, whether we're aware or not. There's always these underlying motives and needs that drive us to porn and to masturbation in the first place. Yeah. Underlying needs. And I think maybe that's where guys like you really come into play, because when you're inside of the cookie jar, Right. When you're inside the jar, it's so hard to see the label. But when somebody's able to kind of pan back, pan out and look at it and be like, bro, this is exactly what's in this. These are the ingredients that you're sitting in. Um, really, you have a better perspective. Right. And it's not that you yourself have a doctorate in this, but man, you've done it. You've gone through this experience. You know what it's like. And that guy, that guy who's sitting by himself alone, sometimes in the dark feeling like he's been dealing with this forever. He's been tried. He's tried every single porn blocker. He's tried accountability. He's tried, uh, you know, getting rid of this and getting rid of that and nothing seems to work. But yet I, I know many guys and me personally being able to coach guys through these issues, they win when they bring somebody else along, somebody else that is able to point to those hard issues. Yeah. 100%. And you, you hit on something really important there, Ray, which is that, um, 
I think the common logic, especially with guys is like, okay, I'm, I have this bad behavior in my life. I keep watching mm -hmm. porn on, on my screen, my computer or my, my phone, whatever. Yeah. So we install an internet filter because of course the filter blocks the behavior. Like logically it makes sense. The problem is that there's something underlying that it's actually driving that behavior in the first yeah. place. Yeah. The way I say it is that all behavior is rooted in belief. Okay. So unless, unless you resolve the underlying beliefs that are driving that behavior in the first place, you have no hope of long-term freedom or long-term recovery. Yeah. But uh, the paradox is that actually in addressing the underlying aspects of figuring out how, how you see yourself, what are the beliefs, maybe you're mismanaging your emotions or stress or whatever yeah. it might be, when you kind of tackle the, the root of it, then the behavior takes care of itself. And that that's a little bit of a, it's an inside out approach, approach rather. It's kind of counterintuitive, but it really is the only way that guys were, are going to experience any kind of long-term freedom or long-term success. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. You know, I, I had this guy define, <laughs> define purity as being able to walk into a room full of half naked Brazilian models and still walk out of that room like a, a mentally pure and focused man, right? Being able to walk out of it without anxiety, right? Because, and this is, you know, his scenario was, let's say you were just walking down a few hallways and you stumbled into a room. You're like, oh crap, like, who are you after that room, right? And, and I think what we mistake is that we think I will never open any doors to ever be able to see that. I will keep myself from seeing anything like that for the rest of my life. And so we attach porn blockers and, and accountability partners to this. And we say, these will be my guides, my blinders. But a horse blinder is exactly that. It just blinds the sides of the horse so he can stay focused on the front, but it doesn't actually take care of the horse's reaction to the stimulus. Yes. Yeah. Really well said. Um, Man, that's, that's such an interesting point. Cause I, I, I really agree. Like, I think we've sort of made the mistake. Um, there, there's a scripture in, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 4 15 yeah. and it talks about how Jesus was, uh, tempted in every way, but without sin. That's good. And, and I think we are so quick to condemn ourselves for the temptations that are actually driven by God given attraction yeah. and in condemning ourselves, we actually deny the opportunity to experience real freedom, which is being able <sighs> to look at the temptress straight in the eyes yeah. and still be without sin. That, right. That's the actual standard God's called us to. Right. Um, so I, I think that's a really good point. If I can just drive it home a little bit, Please. I, um, I was going for a walk. This was, um, this was when I was still in Canada. Um, and our, our neighborhood has like a lot of walking paths and, and some really nice areas. So I was walking along the, there's a man-made canal and there's a big, there's big ships that go through. It's a really great place for walking. And I, I noticed there was like a pile of, it almost looked like, like somebody was camping out there overnight, mm -hmm. but like everything was disorganized and messy and whatever. So I just went over to see what was there and there's a huge stack of playboys. And I was, I, I, I honestly, probably the first time I've ever seen a Playboy magazine, you know, just cause oh. you, when you grow up in the digital age, like you, you didn't get exposed to that stuff the same way. Right. And I remember having this moment of like, okay, well, I'm obviously going to walk away from this, but like, I know there's kids who bike around in this area. There's young families that walk around. Yeah. I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of in that dilemma of like, well, am I going to risk like walking around with a stack of, of pornos yeah. to find a garbage, <laughs> right? Because who knows what happens in that walk? <laughs> 
or do I leave this to somebody else? You know, like yeah. just, just kind of that personal evaluation of like, right. number one, what's the right thing to do? But then number two, what can I personally handle? And, um, I kind of thought it through. I, I, I even shot up a quick prayer and I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to get like, I'm going to get rid of these. And it, I probably nice. have to walk about, I don't know, maybe 200 meters. It, it was, it's a little bit of a secluded area, uh, to the nearest garbage, but like, I definitely felt tempted to kind of flip it open and see what else was in there. But I just, I walked, I walked hand in hand, those stacks just in my hands being like, thank you, God. Like I'm cleaning up the environment. It's a little contribution I get to make. But I think to me, that is like, that's the display of freedom um, is when you can look at your temptress in the face, you can hold it in your literal hands and still be without sin. And it takes time to get there. I'm not like the glowing example. I still have plenty of room to grow. But, um, but I think that's, that's sort of the picture of what we're, what we're after at least 100%. Dude, that is huge victory right there to anybody else. That's like, you know, Oh, whatever you think you did a good deed for the day, but no, like let's measure that compared to yourself a decade ago. And how were your actions, you know, compared to that, that young man, and they were completely different and you would have never thought, right. That's amazing. I, I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of guys miss that there is an end of the road whenever you declare that that road ends, right? Like you need to declare it's going to end here. There is an end of the road and there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you are going to walk in freedom. You might not know what it looks like, but it's going to happen. It's going to be beautiful and it's all going to make sense. Do you dream of being known as a resilient and confident Christian man? Maybe you've even wished that you would finally become more faithful and disciplined, but after trying so damn hard, you still don't see any lasting change. So you feel discouraged and ashamed. And I get that because that was me more than eight years ago. But I can tell you right now that one of the things that's going to help you become the man that God created you to be is by getting a life coach, somebody who's going to be in your corner and walking with you along the way. And because I understand the transformative power of a virtual life coach, I want to offer you a free session right now on me. All you have to do is head over to thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Yeah. And I, um, I think it's really important what you touched on. Cause I always tell guys like the goal is not to, not to get free in the sense of like 30 days without porn, 60 days without porn or whatever. What we're really focused on is the inner transformation. And if you want to measure your results, you're looking at the trend line. That's the word mm, I always use. That's good. It's like, yeah, when you compare this month to last month or the last couple of months versus a year ago, like, are you, is it heading in the right direction? Cause as long as we're heading in the right direction, we're good to go. Like, like if you were, if you were slipping up five times a week and you got it down to three, you got to celebrate that man. Yeah. Like we're not stopping there, but yeah. we want to give God praise for that progress because it is heading in the right direction. And as you celebrate, uh, it gets multiplied. And that, that's yeah. the beautiful power of even just celebrating those small victories. And I think that's hard for guys, especially to wrap their minds around because yeah. we, we set goals, we set standards pretty quickly and anything short of those standards or goals feels like a failure. But, mm-hmm. um, especially with, when we're talking about an inside transformation where the metrics are not quite as quantifiable, it's really important. You have that encouragement along the way. And I, I think that's why you said like having those people in your corner who are supporting you, yes. who are cheering you on, coaching you along the way. Um, that is super helpful, especially in some of these areas where you're trying to measure your success and you're trying to stay encouraged along the way when it's an up and down kind of battle. Um, So yeah, I I think that's a really important point. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that, man. Uh, Guys who are trying to go at it alone and they're wondering why there is no progress, why they're still hurting. Man, you need to get tied with men around you who are healthy and who are going to point you to the way. 
who are going to point you back to Jesus every single time, because man, the enemy is going to continue to lie to you. He's going to continue to tell you that this is something you're going to struggle with for the rest of your life. And here's one thing that uh, was brought up recently to me that I I thought was pretty interesting. Whenever we think about, you know, sinning, we have almost like different levels of sin, which is totally not scriptural, right? Sin is sin. A man walks around with the biggest ego and so much pride and it almost doesn't affect him. It almost is like, that's just my norm. But then he looks at his pornography issue and he's like, I have a problem. I can't get free from this. I'm hurting. Like I, and it like really, really like suppresses him and it holds him down. Right. But like, bro, you have the same issue just in another area of your life. You just don't see it the same. So it's almost like the enemy is really looking at this and playing his best card. And I always think that intimacy, intimacy is like a hundred dollar bill. I've said this in, in previous podcasts where Peru makes the most counterfeit dollar bills out of all the world, but they don't spend time making $5 bills. They go straight for the $100 bills. It's got the greatest value and biggest return on investment for them, right? It's the same thing with the enemy. He's going after the $100 bill, dude. He's going after your intimacy because if he can ruin intimacy in the bedroom with the wife, that that union, right? Man and woman together is the image of God, right? That intimacy of a woman, think about it. A woman has to open herself to receive a man, right? One complete picture. If he can ruin that and distort that image in your head and start putting all that junk that the meat that, you know, the world is trying to throw at you through all these websites, he wins in a big way. What do you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's exactly it. And I, I think the, the over um, consumption of pornography, it is distorting our values for long-term relationship, marriage, everything else, like these sort of polyamorous kind of relationships and lifestyles are becoming very attractive to young men because they're getting inundated with pornography and kind of messages that this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, but we know, like we know what God's designed things for. We know there's a reason that we're wired for a man, uh, for a man to be with one woman and vice Mm -hmm. versa. And I think anything that attacks that it's funny because you can sort of talk about the relational aspect. That's obvious. But if you think about marriages breaking down, that starts to affect children, families, um, society. And then eventually we're talking about nations, right? Like the ripples are actually significant and it's hard to connect those dots when you're just in the heat of the moment and you decide to whip up a quick video on your phone. But all of it is very interconnected. And especially for men, like we got to rise up. Like I'm so sick of just seeing guys be so passive about this and settling for like a substandard of their lives that is different than what God's called us to. Because when guys get free of porn, man, like their lives, their lives turn upside down. Like they start the business they always wanted to start. They have the marriage they always dreamed of. They're present with their kids. Um, their relationship with God is fluid and connected. You know, like I, I just, for me, like it's such a no brainer, but I, 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 give you like total props, man, for having me on, because I think this subject is something people don't want to talk about. And because they don't want to talk about it, because we're not talking about it, people aren't connecting these dots. So thanks. Thanks for giving me this platform, man. You can tell I'm super Dude. passionate about it. Um, I, know. I think it's just, it's super important. Dude, I, I, and I'm, I'm glad that there are guys like you that want to talk about it. I, okay. Here, here's what I'll, I'll paint you. I went through a decade of watching this stuff, a decade age 10 to age 20. And then randomly one day I found out 
that this was not something I was supposed to be doing right through my Christian faith. I was a newly, newly promoted Christian. Um, and I, I realized like, okay, this isn't okay. And so May 12th, I'm sorry, no, May of 2012, it was early May. I want to say like just after the, after May 5th, early May, I think is May 8th of 2012 is the last time I watched pornography. And ever since then, I never looked back. God took away the desire. I never desired to look at it again. That's the weird thing. But here's the thing, bro. Just because I took away um, the, the action doesn't mean that the mental effect left me. A decade of building <laughs> these patterns and thought patterns and habits found themselves when I now meet the woman of my dreams five months after that date. And I'm at the gym trying to do just normal things. Or actually, no, I take her out on our first unofficial date and she catches me checking out the waiter, the waitress. Like, but I didn't know I did that because I just was so pre-programmed in that. But until we walk out of it, until we have guys like you talking about it and be able to walk it out of it, we're going to live suppressed. We're going to live our, our less selves. And, and really goes back to what you said, man, like the guy who's freed is free indeed. And he gets to start that business, live that, live that life that he's wanted to live, live like the man that he was created to be with the marriage that he's always wanted. You're absolutely right, man. I commend you. Seriously. I'm, I was one of my mentors who taught me in my early twenties. He said, uh, there's four magnifiers in life, time, authority, money, and marriage. And, um, a lot of single guys, I mean, I don't work with a lot of single guys these days. I'm working more with like doctors and engineers and athletes and that kind of thing. But, um, it, when I do get a chance to talk to single guys, uh, I try to debunk that myth as quickly as possible, because I think when you're single, you, you think that like some of these issues will just take care of themselves when you're married, when you are, you're having sex regularly with the same person, you're not going to have the appetite for porn or like any issues that are there are just going to kind of go away. Cause you're getting the real thing. Yeah. And uh, it's one of the biggest pitfalls. These, when I say these things are magnifiers, like when I say marriage is a magnifier, what I mean is that it actually amplifies the existing issues. It does not, it doesn't solve anything. Marriage doesn't fix any of your problems. Um, if the problem's there, it's going to be bigger. It's just a bigger scale now for it to be exposed. So, um, your story makes so much sense to me because I think as you like very astutely put it, you had removed the behavior, but, um, but some of the internal processes and patterns that were there, um, they were still causing problems. And until you kind of resolve those, they yeah. were going to some one way or another hinder your marriage, right? Like your, your wife is noticing you like, what the heck? Like, what are you checking out the waitress for? Like, what's that yeah. all about? Yeah. Um, those things go a really long way. And it's a great reminder, like whether you're single or you're married, you always want to play the long game with this because I think again, that's where people settle for things like, like bouncing the eyes or the internet filter or whatever great starters, but them alone, they're not going to bring that kind of long-term change where you're going to have a lasting marriage. Uh, you know, when porn is introduced into a marriage, it triples the rate of divorce, hmm. triples it. So like wow. just by introducing porn into a marriage, you have dramatically increases your chances of not being together long-term. Um, so like it, it's crazy because most guys go into marriage wanting, wanting to be that rock star husband, wanting oh, yeah. to have that solid marriage, you know, and knowing that they have it within them. Um, but then they dabble in things like pornography and, and there's other things as well. But, um, yeah, I just think it's all the more reason to get this thing taken care of, to really resolve those root issues because your marriage is going to benefit, your family's going to benefit and you're going to benefit. You're going to be a better person in the process. That's right. That's right. So actually, if you could, for our listeners, just how are you doing this in the lives of men? Like if I'm, you know, a young guy, 
um, maybe a young professional, like I'm just wanting to really get started. I hear what you're saying and I, I see the problem in me and I've been doing it alone, but I, I want some help. Like, what is it that I'm going to get from working with you? Yeah. So, um, we talk a lot about this on my podcast actually, cause we've been, we've been trying to really refine what we're doing here and make it super clear. And I, and I think we're getting there. Um, deep clean is the name of, of my method, my, my kind of process. So deep clean basically is founded on, uh, the premise that all behavior is rooted in belief, as I stated earlier, and that the best way to resolve the underlying beliefs or the underlying parts of you that are causing the issue with porn is three pillars. Uh, the first pillar is self-awareness. The second is healing. And the third is identity formation. So it's the idea that if you can, you you basically, you cannot resolve a problem if you aren't aware of it. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand what's going on. And that's what you were talking about earlier. Like if a guy can actually get in touch with like, oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm feeling afraid or I'm feeling uh, rejected or whatever. If they can identify some of the internal triggers that lead them to those places, they're way ahead of the game. Like that alone puts you way ahead. The second part is healing. It's developing the tools to handle that well. But healing is also um, identifying parts of our past that have maybe led to our sexual misbehavior. It could be early childhood issues, uh, early sexual experiences. There's a whole myriad of, of things that can come up early on in life that later on kind of predispose us to compulsive sexual behavior. So yeah. it's healing in those areas. And then the third is, is godly identity, identity formation. And it's the basic premise that you can't outperform your beliefs. Uh, if you If you believe that you're a pervert because you look at porn, you will watch porn by faith because yeah. what else would a pervert do? So it's, it's learning once you've kind of cleared the junk, you have self-awareness, um, then it's, it's, you've created room now to kind of implant a godly belief system that's actually founded on the truth. And that's actually going to lead to better behavior. So that's yeah. sort of our system in a nutshell. And we really believe what puts gasoline on the fire is getting in a community, being part of groups. Um, there's just something about having other guys around you yes. who are pursuing that freedom, just like you goes a really long way. So pretty much everything we do has a communal component. Um, you do have to pay a little bit more if you want the actual group coaching. Um, but yeah. that is really the, the big value out of what we bring is that that systematized process coupled with regular group coaching. That's good. Oh man, that is good. I don't know if you've ever read James Clear, uh, Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. Yeah. 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 I, in there, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but one of the last things you said, he said, uh, you don't rise to your goals, to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And what I hear from you saying, like you, you fall to your belief systems. Like you can have this mighty goal of like, I will be set free and absolutely free of porn in 2022. Like after 22, I'm, I'm just done. So yeah, that's a, that's a good goal to put down on paper, but what are your beliefs? What are your belief systems? Because that's going to drive what you do. And I actually, man, I, it goes in keeping with exactly what we, what we do here, you know, and becoming men like, bro, I'm not worried about what you do. I'm worried about who you become because that matters way more than what you do. You can do a hundred things, but at the end of it, did you become an asshole? Right. Or did you become a man that people actually want to be around that you're proud of? You can look in the mirror and be like, Hey, I, I, I really enjoy being, you know, this man that God created me to be. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree, man. And I think, I think what we're kind of touching on as well is that like a lot of people in their approach to recovery, it's very like, it's white knuckle it. Mm. Um, it's done in silence, um, you know, but it's so, it's so rigid that 
there's no way you could possibly enjoy the process. Yes. And when guys really like can start to breathe and they feel safe in our environment, that's when it really starts to become enjoyable. And I'm not trying to paint this picture like it's just daisies and roses. There's challenges along the way, but you actually enjoy the transformation journey. And I think that gets lost when you're just trying to white knuckle it. You're just trying to force yourself. You're very rigid with your behaviors and systems. So I, I totally agree. That's uh, really profound. What uh, James Clear said, and it's funny, this is the second podcast this week where the, the interviewer has brought up that specific book and um, they use a different example from it. But I, I think uh, there's a lot of relevance there for this subject. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, atomic habits, how do you, you know, for you guys that haven't read the book, I, I suggest you go find that book, even listen to it. But uh, it's really about like, what is a small little thing that you can do today that you can actually, that will take you to where it is that you want to go. Cause we think I want to be like Arnold. I want to be super strong, but bro, you still hit snooze 15 times and you don't get up on time. Right. But a person who becomes like Arnold, he is punctual. He's timely. Right. So he's going to get up when he says he's going to get up a little small thing. And you wouldn't think any of it, any of it, right? Like how is getting up on time or, you know, not hitting snooze going to help me get big like Arnold? Well, it's going to teach you something that you might not already know. That's just being able to meet your own goals, you subconsciously telling yourself or your own standards, right? You have the standard that you've been telling yourself this entire time. I'm going to hit snooze. I'm going to hit snooze. Therefore, whatever I set that the systems I have in place, I can just put it off and put it off and put it off. And you're sending signals to your own subconscious that says, Hey, whenever I set any standard for myself, I could always just put it off. I could just snooze, you know? That's why there's that camp of people who are feel so hopeless about porn addiction or, or mm-hmm. sexual misbehavior because they have had um, just a history, unfortunately, that has reinforced those kinds of thought patterns of like, oh, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. What's yeah. the point? And whatever yeah. else. And I think it's all the more reason for people to do the things that we're talking about, which is to, um, you know, to, to talk to other people about it, to find a system, to get a coach, to get professional help, a counselor, whatever it may be. Um, those are the things that really push the needle forward. And they help you. I think what, what I extracted from what you were saying, Ray, is they help you build that trust within yourself. Yes. And when you start to trust yourself, that is a like nothing can stop you. Anything can come your way. And, you know, Stephen Covey talks about it in um, in the seven uh, habits of highly effective people. Yeah. But it's like when when people trust themselves, anything could happen to you, but you can still always control your response and make sure that you make the most of a situation and that you're not going to back down from your morals, from your values, from your goals, whatever it might be. And again, that that's learned, that's trained with time, but uh, you know, you're a military man. I mean, this is what it's all about, isn't it? It's that regimented kind of approach. It's getting those rhythms, uh, the routines in life that are going to instill good habits, keep the mind clear, keep it focused. Um, and those kinds of things go a really long way. And I mean, nobody does military training alone. Yeah. Right. Like you have a group of people and you have people that are leading you and forcing you to be your best self. And I think, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels there because the, that that's how you recover. You have to have those things at play. That's good, man. There are guys right now who are like, okay, I'm, I'm sold. Where do I need to go? I want to get connected. Where would you send them? How can they get connected with you and with everything that you're doing? 
Yeah. So if, if somebody wants to, uh, they want to get in a program, they're really serious about doing something like that. Uh, they can go straight to my website. Um, it's thetheasam.com, uh, the coaching tab, uh, you can book a, a time in my calendar. I'd love to speak with you and let's figure out which kind of, uh, which program is going to be the right fit. Um, if maybe some of your listeners aren't quite there, but they just want to learn a little bit more about what we do, they can go to ultimate recovery That's going to give a free ebook with my five best practices for how to start the recovery journey journey. And really it actually talks about the five classic mistakes that a lot of guys make trying to recover as well. So for guys who just want to bypass some of those mistakes and really get the good stuff right off the bat, ultimate recovery guide.com. That's a great place uh, to connect. (laughs) 